Do not ally yourself with it. Just because you didn't don't make you it. Just because you've been broke don't make you poor. Just because you've been knocked down don't make you a victim. Just because you've been defeated once or twice doesn't make you a loser. Don't ally yourself with it. Judge it. Condemn it. And look into God's face and trust Him for forgiveness, for cleansing, for restoration, for overcoming power, for a great pardon. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We're His. Signed, sealed, and delivered. We're His. Before I get into today... I, I don't always do a, a holiday-specific message or a, an event-specific message. Thursday is one of the greatest days that this country has ever celebrated. And uh, it is, a, it is a, uh, sadly a reality that is under attack. I went back and I, I did a little bit of study on this nation of ours. And I did a little study on, on a little thing that happens. It used to happen every morning in school. And from what I'm reading, some of the schools are bringing it back. Most of us, when we were younger, um, actually some of you all aren't young enough, but most of us elder folks like David Gerhardt, <laughs> that's what happens when you sit on the front row. We remember growing up and saying this little short phrase called the Pledge of Allegiance. I was looking and I was reading the Pledge of Allegiance. It was actually written in 18, oh, 1890, I think it was, or somewhere in the 1800s. And it was written by a Baptist minister. Uh, Bellamy, I believe his name was. And, and he wrote the pledge you know why he wrote the pledge? Because our country was being assaulted by communism and socialism. Amazing how things go full circle. And he presented the pledge, and, and uh, it, was, it was well, well accepted. Uh, in 1924, they, they added uh, the... Uh, 
allegiance to the flag, not just the republic, but to the flag. And then in 1954, Dwight D. Eisenhower had Congress add the phrase, under God. Do you know why? In the 50s, once again, America was under the assault of communism and socialism. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a patriot. I proudly <laughs> proclaim I am a patriot. I will fight. I mean, at my age, if this country went to war over freedom, sign me up. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the reason that this country remains free is because of the brave. I mean, we have several people in here who have served uh, to keep this country free. Uh, we have the Thomas boys, uh, Isaac and Zach, who, who are uh, defending still today. We've got the... Uh, uh, yeah. The Fisher family. Thank you. I'm looking right at you. Come on. Come on, tongue. Uh, who has their, their son, son-in-law? Grandsons. Serving. Sarah's family and others in here. America is free because we have brave people that are willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice. We have this flag and we have the other two flags, usually on the platform. Pastor, why aren't they on the platform? It's called decorum. The decorators sometimes move them over there. They move them up here. They do different things, but they're never out of this room. We have the Christian flag, which is the blue and white with the red cross. We have the Israeli flag, the Jewish flag, the Jerusalem flag. Because my Bible says those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I think I choose to be blessed. What do you think? But we have this flag behind us. This flag that stands above us. Now I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask all of us to stand. Because we are going to recite a pledge. But the thing that makes the pledge so important to me, yes, America, the republic for which it stands, the unity of the body, but the fact that America is the only nation on earth founded under God. Is everybody okay? And so I'm going to ask if you all, Pastor, what if I don't want to do it? You don't want to get me started. <laughs> but we do. We owe a, a debt of gratitude for so many who for so long have given so much. And the ones that are still serving today, literally, to keep us free to keep us free. And please, if I didn't mention you or your family or anything, don't take offense, folks. I, there is not a person in this room, and I can say this without equivocation, that is more supportive of our military than me. Okay? And so 
And I know there are many here that are exactly the same, so don't take offense if I didn't mention your name. But let's take our right hand and put it on our hearts. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Before you applaud, if I can quote our president, America never has been and never will be a socialist nation. We will be the land of the free because of the brave. Come on, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can be seated. That's not politically correct to do, but folks, we're not a politically correct church. We are a biblically correct church. And so uh, uh, just an incredible, that's right, we worship God and not government, but we do recognize that God is the one that established this great experiment called America. I have a lot to talk about today. In your notes, you can see from the very beginning to the end, it is full of Scripture. Can I tell you something? If I ever stop preaching the Word of God, flee. Because that's the only hope we have, folks, is God's Word. Not Pastor Tim's philosophy or ideology. God's Word is the only hope we have. I haven't even started preaching. It's gotten quiet. Uh, today, signed, sealed, delivered. We're His. I, I love the message of the last song that, that uh, Heather sang, and, and she said, Pastor, I'd planned to do it last week, but things just didn't work out. I said, perfect, because it actually fits this week. It goes right along with the message. So it is amazing how what we think was good wasn't God, and what we think was God wasn't good, and God just transitions around to now what is good is God. And today was a perfect day. Why? Because you and I struggle with these issues. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it's on your screen, but it should be memorized by every single heart in here. So if you would, as we did the pledge, would you read this with me? I've got it on the screen, so if you don't have it memorized, you can. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Too many of us stop there. And that's a wonderful place to start and stop. But there's so much more. Like verse 17. This says, read with me. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Look at somebody and say, I'm not a victim. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but what? But that the world through Him might be saved. I am a victor. I am victorious. Underline, I left that in your notes. Underline those, I think I left them in your notes, didn't I? Did I put that scripture in there? I got so much scripture, I'm not sure how much I was able to leave in and take out. But underline that. God didn't send his son to condemn us. He sent his son to save us. Romans 5, 8 on the screen. For God commended his love towards us. He demonstrated his love towards us. While we were still sinners, 
Look at somebody and say, he's talking about me. While I was still messed up, he turned my life into a message. While I was still a sinner, Christ died. People that say, well, I, I, I got to get, get straightened up before I come to church. How many ever, ever got washed up to take a bath? Anybody? Now, don't raise your hand, please. I'm sure there's somebody in here. They, yeah, I get washed up every time before I jump. No, I jump in dirt and all. While I was still filthy, while I was still dirty, Christ died. 1 John 4, and this is how God showed his love. He sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is God's love, not that we loved him first but that he first loved me. That's why I'm here, folks. He first loved me. Real quick, I've got a lot of Scripture. The great pardon. That's what I call Calvary. I call Calvary the great pardon, the great exchange. And, and I want to I, I, I want to just jump in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over lots of stuff. There's lots in your notes that I'm not gonna get to, but there's a lot I'm gonna get to. Napoleon was asked by a mother to pardon her son. The great commander of the day said, This is the man's second offense, and justice. Circle that word justice in your notes. Demands death. The woman replied to the great commander, I don't ask for justice. I plead for mercy. But this is what I want you to look at in there. Napoleon said, but he doesn't deserve mercy. To which the mother cried out, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. You see, folks, I, I am always amazed, and I put this on the screen, look at this. Why do we think if a good person goes through bad things, it's not fair? Now, I want you to hear me today. We're talking about this, this series that I started a few weeks ago. God is working out what he's working in. And I'm going to change the paradigm of your thinking today. I'm going to take you into one of the most important passages of all of Scripture and transform your life. Why do we think if a good person goes through a bad thing, it is not fair? It's very simply because we have a wrong concept of fair. We have a wrong concept of mercy, and we have a wrong concept of justice. Because you and I, 
fail to realize if we got what we deserved, it would be hell. But the blood of Jesus cried out for mercy. To fulfill the justice which was required. Justice was required. Another word for justice is the great pardon. He gave us not what we deserved, but what he desired. Can somebody say amen? Because the mother understood my son deserves death, but I'm crying for mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, look at somebody who said, I deserved hell, but thank God for his mercy. Revelation chapter 12, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come, for the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. He has been defeated. He has been uh, uh, set forth as, as the, as the uh, defeated foe in front of everybody. God cast him down to lift us up. Can somebody say amen? Look what it says in Hebrews 7. He is able to save completely. He is able to save completely. You ever felt condemned? Yeah. I'm talking about you're trying to live for God and you felt condemned. Anybody besides me? Yeah. You're doing right and you still felt wrong. Anybody besides me? You, you, you still, you're doing all the best you know how to do, and you're saying, God, what in the world is going on? And God comes in, he says, don't worry about it. I'm able to save completely those who come to the Father through the Son. Can somebody say amen? Matter of fact, he said, I live forever to remind my Father I paid the price. The great pardon has been exchanged. Can somebody say amen? You don't watch it. Somebody's going to get excited this morning. <laughs> Alan Redpath, one of my favorite authors of years gone by, wrote several books that I just, I just devoured. And, and uh, I actually have some of the original uh, copies of them because I loved them so much. I've lost a few over the years in transitions and stuff, but I still have a handful. He wrote these words in his book called Blessings Out of Buffetings. He said, if in our course of Christian life, Satan trips us up. Look at somebody and say, yeah, the devil's done that once or twice for me. Causing us to fall and to be ashamed, what must we do? Please, please. Did I leave this story in your notes? Okay. Did I leave it in your notes? Okay. Jess, what must we do? Look what it says here. At that moment. Say that with me. At that moment. Don't meditate on it. Don't discuss it and say, well, you know, uh, you know maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe I, I just thought I was wrong. Maybe, well, it wasn't as bad as this guy. I mean, at that moment, in God's presence, Judge it as sin. What does that mean? Look in the mirror and say, I demand. Or to woman, 
which, whichever. Okay. Folks, there's only two genders, so just settle that, okay? Do not ally yourself with it. Just because you didn't, don't make you it. Just because you've been broke, don't make you poor. Just because you've been knocked down, don't make you a victim. Just because you've been defeated once or twice, doesn't make you a loser. Don't ally yourself with it. Judge it. Condemn it. And look into God's face and trust Him for forgiveness, for cleansing, for restoration, for overcoming power, for a great pardon. Here's what will happen. If we refuse to do that, folks, we live in the world that plays the blame game. We want everybody to be wrong but us. If we refuse to do that, allowing ourselves to be the victim of the habit or the sinfulness, one day we're going to face God not as Savior but as judge. The time lag between sinning and the moment of forsaking and confessing is a sure indication of the true nature of the person's walk with God. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? Now, I know we could have debates on a couple things that the, the Scripture's talking about. You know, God tells him not to number Israel, but why did he number Israel? Why did, why did God tell him, you know, you got this woman Bathsheba. You killed her husband. You slept with her in an adulterous affair. And you didn't tell me about it for nine months. Why is he called a man after God's own heart? Folks, every single one of us mess up. And David messed up. But the minute God nailed him with it, what did he do? He didn't just repent. He owned it. He said, that's me. I did it. He didn't excuse it. Now, he had the power to do that. He could have lopped off Nathan's head. Most kings probably would have. Can I tell you? Many in this room would have. We don't like being caught with our pants down. I just heard what I said. I'm not sure. I'm going to go repent for just real quick here. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. You can take the, the boy out of the country. You just can't take the country out of the boy. It, folks, the true nature of the person says, God, I, yeah, I messed up. 
See, no one enjoys the intimacy of his presence and the power of his spirit can endure the absence of his glory for long. And without justification, it's impossible to have real peace. Without knowing we have been pardoned, it's impossible because our conscience eats us alive. This is why people can do things and they can think they get away with it for a while, but sooner or later, sooner or later it's going to eat them up. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, we think we have this, this ability, you know, that uh, because we haven't been held accountable for it right then, that we've somehow got away with it. It says this in Ecclesiastes 8.11, it says, because the sin or the iniquity of somebody is not judged immediately, the heart of man is bent on doing evil. Because we think we got away with it. Can, folks, sooner or later, some will be sooner, some will be later, we're going to stand before God. We need to stand before God clean in the blood, not in our own righteousness. Can somebody say amen? I call Calvary the great pardon. Now here's what happens when we mess up. Immediately the condemnation comes. Immediately the guilt comes. Immediately all the different aspects that you saw on those signs that were across this platform. Here they are back here. All of these things, I should have asked you to leave them for me, but I didn't. So I will reach down and grab them. God doesn't love me. You know, I, you know, I walked away from him. He's walking away from me. No, it doesn't work that way, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm in the condition I am right now because I've done some horrible sin, and I'm destined to live this way the rest of my life. That's a different Bible than I have, folks. I have been abused. So now I live a life that abuses. Look at somebody and say, I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. Now I know that's a hard statement, folks, but until we face it, we don't overcome it. You can't fix what you don't face. Now, don't get me wrong, it really happened. It really happened, and it was really wrong. What'd they do to Jesus? That's the comparison, folks. And he said those nine words, what were they? Father, forgive them. They don't got a clue what they're doing. You, you, you might have been a victim. It gives you no permission to live as a victimizer. Well, you don't know what they did to you or to me. Folks, do we know what they did to Jesus? You see, we don't get what we deserve. We need mercy. And right here, this is every single one of you, myself included. It might not be mom or dad. Maybe it's society. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your, I, I, I don't know. But because of these things, and, and guilty, because of these things, we forget the most important thing. You see, in your notes, ladies and gentlemen, God ain't mad at you. 
I know that ain't good English, but it's good preaching. God ain't mad at you. Okay, for you teachers that are cringing, God is not mad at you. Look at the 130th Psalm. If the Lord should mark our iniquities, who could stand? If God labeled Tim Christensen this, 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 what could he do? So many in this world, for various reasons, think God is mad at them. And their lot in life is exactly because God is punishing them. The problem is this book doesn't say that. This book says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. He's not mad at you. He's mad at what you did. But he ain't mad at you. Look at somebody say, man, that's a load off my back, right? Oh. Oh. The 103rd Psalm, look what it says. Look what it says. Folks, it's on the screen, but you need to mark these things in your Bible. Look, he has not dealt with us according to our sins or punished us according to our iniquities. I mean, you and I would be little squishes right now. (laughs) Remember last week or week before last? Last week, it was one of the weeks teaching here on this subject. Talked about Jericho and how the Bible says that God just flattened the walls. They just fell flat down. And I got that image of my head that God was sitting in his throne and he was watching the kids moving around Jericho like he asked them to. And on the seventh day, they just shouted to God. Can I tell you something? You might need to shout a hallelujah. See how God works things in this other. You might need to just lift, praise, magnify. You know what happened? When there, this is a picture I got of my dad. My dad's up in heaven, and all of a sudden he sees the kids running, and all of a sudden he said, "That's my kids." (laughs) And then he hears the praise, and he hears the he hears everything exactly as he told them to do, and he just kind of leaned over the throne and just went like this. And he smashed down the walls of Jericho. Can I tell you, when you are going to repent and do right before God, God just says, your enemy, not a problem. Your struggle, not a problem. Your difficulty, not a problem. I know some of y'all trying to figure out how to spell. You see, folks, God is not interested in casting us out. He sent His Son to bring us in. Isaiah 43, look what it says here. I, even I. Is this in your notes? Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something. I, even I. This is Dad talking. This is the Father talking. I, even I. Am he who does what with our transgressions? He does what? Have you ever blotted something out? 
It's called an eraser. Now, I want to talk to all y'all that, any of y'all, that might be into this eternal security stuff. Well, you know, once saved, always saved. The problem is, this book don't teach that. Matter of fact, I, I blew some people's minds away when I took them through Revelation. We're going through Revelation right now in our Wednesday night class. And I took them into that passage in Revelation chapter 3 where it says, God might blot them out of the book of life. I mean God's got a blotter? <laughs> Folks, that great pardon he was serious about. Look what he says, okay? I, even I, am he who blots out. When you give it to God, God says, I stuck it out in the sea of forgetfulness. Why'd you go fishing for it? Well, you know, the devil reminded me. Folks, the accuser has been cast down. He reminds me of my past. I remind him of his future. Life goes on. We're good. But, but here's, the, here's the part that I love. You know why God did that? For His sake. He don't remember your garbage because He's not a garbage collector. Come on, somebody say that's good preaching. He said, I do it for my sake. And then he says these words after it. What's he say? And I don't remember them. Why do we? Oh, you know, it was just so awful. Yeah, it was. You know why you remember it? Because you haven't owned it. You haven't taken responsibility for it. You're still blaming the circumstance. You're still blaming the situation. You're still blaming the person. You're still blaming fill in the blank. God just said, own it and go and sin no more. Amen. This American Revolution Baptist pastor, a guy's named Peter Miller, it's in your, I think I left it in your notes. Uh, he, he was personal friends with George Washington. And there was a man that lived in the town. His name was Michael Whitman, and Michael Whitman was just, just a horrible, horrible, horrible man to this pastor. Every single thing that this pastor did, this Michael Whitman would rise up to, to come against the minister and abuse him and, and, and just do everything ugly. Well, Whitman was involved in a treasonous activity, and he was arrested and sentenced to death. The preacher, Pastor Peter Miller walked 70 miles, walked 70 miles to Philadelphia to plead for the man's life. He went before George Washington. And George Washington said, no, Peter, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. To which the pastor said, my friend, he is my most bitter enemy. This man is always against me. President Washington said, you walked 70 miles to save the life of your enemy? George Washington said, that's a whole different story. I grant the pardon. Ladies and gentlemen, he stepped out of eternity into time 
for you. He stepped out of eternity into time for me to grant a great pardon. He isn't mad. Oh, he's mad at sin. He's mad at the devil. He's mad at death, hell, and destruction. But he ain't mad at you. Somebody say amen today. Blessed is the man, Romans 4 says, who the Lord does not hold their sins against them. Isaiah 53, put it up here. This is one of the most powerful passages in all of the Bible, and I'm about to break it down for you. Look at this. It pleased the Lord to bruise who? Jesus. God was happy to do it. Now, folks, listen to this. This is one of the most misunderstood, and I'm not, folks, I don't say I have a handle on this. Over the centuries, this, this passage, what in the heck is he talking about? God was happy? But most Christians just breeze through this passage. They don't understand. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. God put him to grief. Jesus, the Jews did it. The Gentiles did it. God nailed him to that cross, folks. Justice had to be satisfied. But, but look what it says. When you make his soul an offering for sin, then he shall see his seed. Who's the seed he's talking about? That's right. All of us. Look at this. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Talking about you and I. Our days will be prolonged. Our lives will be a blessing. We will prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. The Father will look at what Jesus did, what Jesus committed to, when he in that garden said, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He said, when you see the labor, you'll be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities before you change screens by his knowledge jesus knew exactly what he's doing he knew at calvary that he was justifying he was paying the price he was pardoning he was fulfilling he knew that you and i were the joy the reward continue on look at this Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressions. He became one of us so that we could become one of his. And he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Revelation 12, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Folks, no. He is not mad at you. Anybody here messed up? Own it. Yeah! That's me! But by God's grace, he fixed it up. Can somebody say amen? God made a way. I'm going to ask the worship team to come now.
In Genesis 22, we see the picture of Abraham where he offered Isaac. Remember I told you, own, own it, just own it. Yeah, God, yes, God, I was wrong. I did wrong. God, yes, I messed up. Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to, to pacify it. Don't try to, to uh, justify it and acknowledge, or uh, try to make it less than what it is. It is sin. It is wrong. You know, one of the things about Abraham, we look at this thing, and, and people have, have debated this over the years when the Bible talks about uh, how God in, in Genesis chapter 22 told Abraham, offer your son. And then God said these words, now I know you fear me because you didn't hold, withhold your son, your only son from me. Now we understand the correlation between Abraham's sacrifice on Moriah and God's sacrifice on Calvary. We understand the correlation between the two and how that God provided the sacrifice. But you know the part we miss is the immediacy of, God, of Abraham's response to God when God said, go and offer your son as a sacrifice. There is never one moment where Abraham questioned. Never one ounce of hesitation. He went. The entire way declaring the mercy of God. Father, we, I see the wood. Father, I see the altar. Where's the sacrifice? God's going to provide. Listen to me. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. But I do know if you let him, God will get you where you're going. If you let him, God will make a way. God will fulfill the promise that only God can fulfill. He will do the work that only God can do. The problem that we have is we won't let him. Can I tell you, I'm going to say this very lovingly, very respectfully. I'm not a very sympathetic person. I'm a very empathetic person. I say, well, that doesn't sound good. Well, you ought to read about, read about Jesus. He wasn't very sympathetic, but he had great compassion. Because he understood that most people get in the situation they're in because they walked into it. Look at somebody and say, Boy, he knows me pretty good, doesn't he? Abraham went there, and he said, God's going to provide. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're doing. But I can promise you that if you'll let him, God will make a way. God will make a way. He will help. He will heal. He will give victory. I don't hear my guitar. But you got to let him. You got to believe his word said, I will make a way. There is a famous portion of scripture and we have turned it into a great there it is a great book and all these kinds. it's called the prayer of Jabez 
And if you haven't read it, it's a very small little book. I'd encourage you to read it. Because the word Jabez meant pain, struggle, difficulty. And Jabez went to God and said, God, I know how I was born. I know what my family thought of me. I know the message that was declared. But he said, I'm not going to live in that. He said, God, I might have been conceived in pain, but by your grace, I'm going to be delivered in victory. God will make a way, but you've got to let him. This song was birthed out of a situation with a pastor who was trying to answer unanswerable questions. And he didn't know what to say. He sat down, and much like that song, Raise a Hallelujah, he wrote these words out for people who lost their children in a devastating wreck. He said these words. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to His side. With love and strength for each new day. You know what? God will make a way. He will make a way. So let me talk to you just for a moment. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. But I do know that I have the mind of God for today's message. You're in this room and you've struggled. You've had difficulty. And you just can't seem to get past it. The problem with yesterday, it just doesn't go away. The accuser of our soul brings it up every day. And we just can't bring ourselves to the place of trusting God to let it go. And until you do that, you'll be bound up by it. Today is the day that God wants to set you free. But you have to let it. If you're here today and, and, and you've got these struggles, God wants to make his great pardon real to you. God wants you to know he's not mad at you. And that in a place called Calvary, he made a way. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue, across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. 
from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.